0: The second in Bull Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host here with you as always. And in today's show, we've got a lot to analyze and break down as always. Bold take bonanza today. As you saw in the title, I'm gonna be doing three bold takes on this episode. Having missed it the past couple of weeks, I kinda kinda slipped my mind over those last couple weeks uh to continue doing bold takes, and then I remembered and I was like, oh yeah. I'm going to have 10 of these that are recorded and played back at the end of the season that I'm doing. And I've done three so far, three more today. They're coming all to you in this week. And then I'll get back to doing one a week, probably. Although in the fantasy football draft guide show that comes out next week, I won't have one, but that was scheduled. So there's going to be four more after this for the rest of the off season. And we'll see if they work out for fantasy football. So yeah, lots of bold takes talking tight ends, previewing that on the show today. Um, briefly touching on defenses and kickers, I guess. Um, for those who still play in those leagues, I still do. I still have some leagues that have defenses and kickers, but like, it doesn't seem that important to a lot of people. And then or we've also got some news of course. And then at the end of the show, I'll be trying something that is almost entirely new to me. If you saw my Twitter post, you know what it is. It's something I've done a, a little bit, like a very, very little bit. It's a salary cap mock draft. And for those of you who don't know, Salary cap mock draft is basically an auction league. Um, I guess they're called, they're called salary cap leagues. Now, some people still call them auction leagues. So salary cap or auction, however, you know, it as um, that's what, they're the same thing. Basically you get a budget of $200 and you just, every player goes up for auction or not for auction, obviously. I mean, for auction for your fantasy team and you Bid against other teams or in this case against AI and sleepers AI is pretty good at making like a new unique draft every time. So you bid against other AI to try to get that player on your fantasy team. And if you don't get him, that's great. But I mean, that's not great. But then it moves on to the next guy. And basically, there's no like pick order, like the pick order is the order that teams can put, make a player available to bid four and they, they can like put them on and like start out with a bit of $1 and then people start bidding more and more. But other than that, I mean, you can get players whenever you want. So it adds a lot of roster flexibility. So I expect in this draft, I'll be getting a lot of my favorite guys and trying to just target guys at cheap prices that I think are values. It's all about value in this format, because sometimes like there's no reaching down the board that should be happening. You should be getting a value theoretically on every pick because you're just taking advantage of guys that you see as undervalued. Always. And that's a lot of fun. So my team might actually look pretty juicy at the end of this. Uh, no guests today. Going to be a great action packed show. Nonetheless, one last announcement. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF always. Um, positional rankings, they'll be coming out very soon. I will begin working on those, get those out for you on the website. And the fantasy football draft guide shows coming up soon as well. That's next week. Um, and that, that's going to be so much fun as well. Maybe we'll get some guests. We'll see. But either way, it's going to be a lot of fun. Email secondgoalfantasy@gmail.com at gmail.com at Calvin underscore Jeff on Twitter. If you want to send questions, closing in on 5,000 all-time downloads, we might have it. 5,000 all-time downloads by the time you're listening to this podcast. We're very close. Great to hear. Thank you to everyone who's downloaded, sent positive feedback, sent in questions, all that. So let's get started. Let's talk news this first piece of news is definitely unfortunate, sad news. John Mechie announced he was diagnosed with a highly curable form of leukemia. So he's in good spirits. He reported he was in good spirits, likely to be okay, but he is unlikely to play football this year. and Definitely going to have a big battle ahead of him. So prayers up for Mechie, of course, an unfortunate situation, especially after he just got drafted. And that's something where even if you like th- that kind of thing can really take a toll on your body. So I hope he... Is okay. And it's just no, no, no one ever this, likes to hear that news. Of course, it's just very sad. And it's really just an unfortunate time for him. I mean, he was very promising in the second round of the draft for the Texans. Of course, being a fantasy show, we would talk about fantasy implications. And I mean, it's basically, Outside of Brandon Cooks, I don't know if there's a viable wide receiver two option that you draft in Houston, just because there's not anybody who has the draft capital of Mechie or has shown anything on the field. Like Philip Dorsett, Nico Collins, those are the guys you're looking at, probably. Nico Collins becomes interesting, but uh, John Mechie seemed set to take the wide receiver two role this year. Second piece of news, Tom Pelissero of NFL Network reports that the Chiefs placed running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on the active and slash physically unable to perform list. So I don't know why this happened because like, I don't think we've actually even seen news about why this has happened yet. Like I haven't heard anything about an injury Well, you might've seen it by the time this podcast comes out because things come out fast and furious these days, but I haven't seen any of that news yet about like why he's on the physically unable to perform list. It's just like, It's a strange situation to start off training camp with. And I think there's not much you can do at this point. Clyde Edwards-Alaire was going to have competition for the starting job anyway with Ronald Jones and maybe Isaiah Pacheco. But it doesn't change much until we find out more about the injury because I don't think, like, as of now, there's no reason to suggest he's in danger of missing the start of the season. It's just a weird thing to occur right now. Last piece of news, Julio Jones signs with the Bucs. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers signed Julio. This is interesting, and Julio just didn't perform that well in Tennessee. He performed okay when he was on the field, but the consensus seems to be he's getting into his 30s that he might be washed. I don't know if I entirely agree he's been dealing with some injuries. If he can stay healthy, he's interesting. It's just that Russell Gage, that's a very good option for receiver for the Bucs, and he's their wide receiver three. Julio slots behind Mike Evans and Chris Godwin in the pecking order. Now that wide receiver three role has been productive. We saw Antonio Brown, but Gage and julio will more likely just battle it out for targets i see gage getting a bit of a bump down it's probably still ahead of julio a little bit in my eyes but then again it just depends like julio probably has far more upside than what russell gage has just because of what he used to do but it's been a while since we've seen julio jones be elite on the field all right here we go it's time for three bold takes three of them on this week's episode the first bold take kenny galladay Of course, I got to come back with a Kenny Galladay take. He'll be a top 36 fantasy receiver next year. Last year, part of my bold take was that Kenny Galladay would be a top 12 receiver, and I was wrong miserably, but it's okay. Kenny Galladay is going at a spot now in drafts wide receiver 54. That's a spot where you should be taking a shot on him because he is the highest paid receiver easily in the Giants offense, likely to be the wide receiver one in the Giants offense. Wow. Now that Brian Dable's here. And it's going to be huge, and I don't normally take huge stock into coaching changes, but the fact that Jason Garrett and Joe Judge, two truly incompetents who are running this offense, I mean, they were the reason – Part of the reason, in my eyes, that Kenny Gallagher was so limited because they wouldn't push the ball downfield. They didn't give Daniel Jones the opportunity to throw it down. Daniel Jones's yards per attempt plummeted last year because the offense was just so conservative. Daniel Jones, he, the weird part was in 2020, he was able to air the ball out a little bit more and got to, and he didn't even play that badly doing so. He made some great throws. He's cut down on some mistakes for sure, but I think that Brian Dable will be able to develop Daniel Jones and can let him take these shots while also keeping mistakes down and it's going to be huge for Kenny Galladay. I don't see Kenny Galladay doing any worse than he did last year. He had no touchdowns. He had, again, Joe Judge running quarterback sneaks from his own goal line. Jason Garrett just doing the usual stuff, uncreative play calls. Jason Garrett wasn't willing to push the ball downfield. That was a concern preseason that I tried to overlook that I thought, oh no, Jason Garrett's here. I don't know if he's going to be scheming up Kenny Galladay the way that we want. He's going to probably try to play some annoying conservative offense with shorter passes. He wouldn't give Daniel Jones the opportunity to make let Kenny Galladay make plays. We know, Daniel Jones has a good arm this is going to be a nice sign to step up for him they just added a new offensive lineman and Evan Neal Saquon Barkley comes back to assist this running game Daniel Jones is in a much better spot this year so he's going to step up and I think the 18 million dollar man has not lost his talent and Kenny Galladay has a lot of upside this year even as well maybe a wide receiver two in fantasy but I definitely think he'll be a top 36 receiver next year next we'll take Trey Lance he's going to finish ahead of Dak Prescott in fantasy football next year Dak Prescott the quarterback eight Trey Lance is the quarterback 13 on fantasy pros and Trey Lance is going to finish ahead of Dak Prescott and we all know the hype for Trey Lance he's got Debo Samuel got George Kittle got Brandon Ayuk got a great offensive line he is set up to succeed and the 49ers are listening talks about Jimmy Garoppolo he's going to be traded before the start of the season they're ready to let Trey Lance step in they believe he's ready and he's going to perform and he's in a great spot For sure, because we even saw Jimmy Garoppolo put up some nice passing production in that spot. And Jimmy Garoppolo is not that good of a QB. But let's talk about the rushing ability of Trey Lance, a guy who ran for a ton of yards at North Dakota State. That's what sets him apart just because rushing quarterbacks break fantasy football and the massive more amount of points that they score. Trey Lance has so much upside just because of that. He doesn't even have to be a great QB to be insane this year for fantasy. Just look at Jalen Hurts. But Dak Prescott, the problem here. I think people want to overlook the fact that Amari Cooper is gone and Michael Gallup is injured because – with Dak Prescott, his splits were very interesting. He didn't seem to be able to perform in big moments a lot of the time. And he also was a lot better when he had all three of his top receivers, that being CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, and Amari Cooper on the field at the same time. He was a lot worse without one or two of those guys when they had injuries last year. Now he's only really got CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz. So I don't see him getting that prolific passing production that he needs to have in order to stay ahead of Trey Lance and fantasy football. And it's just difficult because again, you lost Gallup for the start of the year. Now it's just Jalen Tolbert there, and uh, of course, CD Lamb. CD Lamb can't catch all the passes, and we saw again last year Dak was inconsistent. And when one of his guys was off the field, and Amari Cooper, his short to medium receiving option, no longer there. It's difficult to trust Dak Prescott next year. And I love the upside of Trey Lance, Logan Thomas. Here is the subject of my last bowl take. He's going to be a top fifteen tight end for fantasy football this year. Currently ranked as the tight end twenty one. And I like him a lot in this offense. I think the Washington Commanders, they have a lot of competition for targets with Carson Wentz, who might not be the best passer in the world. Got Terry McLaurin, got Jahan Dotson, got Curtis Samuel. But the thing about it is we know Terry is going to get his, of course, but Jahan Dotson, he's a great late round flyer. I love him as a late round flyer, but he's still a rookie. There's still some risk involved there. Curtis Samuel was hurt all of last season after his groin injury. We don't know if he still has it because he barely has even like done anything at all. And so there's an opportunity for Logan Thomas, who has been the security blanket for this offense for the last couple of years to continue to step in. And he was putting up elite production at times with Alex Smith and Taylor Heineke as QB. Now, obviously Carson Wentz is a different quarterback. He has a better, better, or arm maybe we'll look downfield more but Carson Wentz has also not hesitated to target the tight end in the past I think Logan Thomas if anything is a talented player and could be used more in the vertical game because Carson Wentz we saw him target Zach Ertz for several years in Philly then Mo Cox had stretches of relevance sometimes in Indianapolis sometimes you just randomly see him explode it was weird but it's not like Carson Wentz's tight end averse. I think Logan Thomas has a real opportunity to be the second or third option in this offense and if that's the case, I mean it's not that hard. If you're the second or third option in an offense as a tight end to step up, be a top fifteen tight end, be a top twelve tight end. So one of those, I think Logan Thomas is a great late round option. Guy, you should look for top fifteen tight end next year. Now, that wraps up the bold takes. That is a lot. Still more to go on this show. Tight ends, defenses, kickers, and then a mock draft. So tight ends, let's get into it. We're going to run through Fantasy Pros's half PPR rankings. First, of course, my strategy for the tight end position, and I've repeated it throughout the offseason. In a redraft league, there tends to be just a few tight ends at the top who perform a lot better than the tight ends in the middle and the tight ends late, and there is a teardrop after those guys. And so taking a middle-round tight end comes with a lot of risk, and they usually don't pan out for your fantasy team. So either spend high draft capital to lock up one of those elite guys for the positional advantage of Travis Kelsey, for example, or wait. Wait on the position until the very last round, because like I said, there's a guy, this guy's there, like Logan Thomas, who really have just as much of a chance to hit as a guy in the middle rounds, like Dawson Knox, for example, at tight end 10. Logan Thomas is a tight end 21. I don't see much of a difference between the two. I just don't see much of a difference between very many tight ends in that range. Albert Aquabanom, tight end 22, another later guy you can take a shot in who was almost just as, mu- really just as much opportunity as a lot of these guys. Robert Tunyon, tight end 17. Gerald Everett, tight end 19. He's with the Chargers now. How about that? Lots of guys to look for. And the fact is, these guys who get overlooked, they're not really that much of a downgrade from the guys who are being looked at and hoped for in the middle rounds, just because there's so few tight ends who actually pan out for fantasy. So go early or go late on the position. Let's talk about the players. Tight end one is Travis Kelsey on Fantasy Pros, and that I would agree with. I'm not going to predict Travis Kelsey's decline because he's been doing it for years. Tight ends tend to survive longer in their careers than wide receivers and running backs, but he is going to continue to dominate. We saw Mark Andrews be great last year. He had a ton of touchdowns, but that was a career season, and I'm not betting on him to not finish as the tight end one just because he was the tight end one last year. When you look at the overall body of work for Travis Kelsey, who had five straight tight end one finishes before that, he was far more consistent, and if anything, we'll see an uptick in targets with Tyreek Hill gone from Kansas City, and he's so talented and tied to Patrick Mahomes. And Andrews performed very well last year, for sure, especially late in the season. A lot of that, though, was actually with Tyler Huntley, interesting enough. Interestingly enough, I don't know if Lamar Jackson will need to rely on one target quite as much as Tyler Huntley did with Mark Andrews. And I think... This team, the Ravens, are going to try to scheme in other options. Rashad Bateman's still there. Jackson still is more of a dual-threat QB. He runs the ball a ton, and all the running backs are back. With J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards coming back, I see a bit of a decline in Andrews' targets. He's going to be great. He's still my tight end, too, but it's going to be Travis Kelsey. So kind of comparing those two guys there, the tight end three on this list is Kyle Pitts. A lot of risk involved here. Kyle Pitts really struggled not he actually didn't struggle last year he struggled to score touchdowns but he had a good rookie season he didn't go crazy and now he's just going to be struggling in terms of the quarterback play because they got Desmond Ritter and they got Marcus Mariota and we don't know if Cal Pitts is going to get a lot of red zone opportunities he only had one touchdown last year over a thousand yards was kind of underwhelming for fantasy some of the time but at the same time He was kind of being targeted by defenses, locked up, faced with double teams, and he still put up good production. He needs those touchdowns to come, though, more than one touchdown. If he gets those touchdown numbers up, even a four or five, he could be a lot more viable. And that's very possible, even in this Marcus Mariota offense. It just kind of limits him, because I don't see that tight end one upside for Kyle Pitts. Tight end one overall, when you've got a guy like that at quarterback who's been a backup for a lot of his career for a reason, Falcons are struggling at quarterback for a reason. Next up is George Kittle, who's close to Kyle Pitts in my eyes. The risk with him is that Trey Lance, again, loves to run the ball and probably will run the ball, and they've got Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk to take targets. So the target share may not be there, but the big plays certainly are. A bit of an injury risk, but he could still be great. Darren Waller at the tight end five, his target share has gotten a bit dampened with Hunter Renfro taking role in the Raiders' offense. Devontae Adams coming in, that's going to be tough for Waller who relied on a lot of third-down catches and a lot of targets to succeed. So he's still fine in this range, though. then the last guy that I really like is kind of Dalton Schultz at tight end six, just because Dalton Schultz is, he was good last year. He seems like that quintessential middle round tight end, but at the same time, he did it last year, really to close to elite levels. He was a top five tight end last year. And now again, with Amari Cooper gone with Michael Gallup gone, there's really only more opportunity for Dalton Schultz and Dak Prescott's going to need him next year. Next TJ Hawkinson at seven, not bad here. It's just that now Jared Goff's got so many more options with DJ Chark added, DeAndre Swift coming back, Jamison Williams potentially later in the season. Lots of options for Goff that not sure. Amon Ross St. Brown, of course, he went crazy and got a lot of targets. Not sure if TJ Hawkins is going to be as consistent as we like, and this Lions offense is still led, led by a bad quarterback. And then Dallas Goddard at eight has to deal with Jalen Hurts, who was kind of a dual threat. I mean, not just kind of, he is a dual threat. Now he's got A.J. Brown. So Devontae Smith alone last year and Dallas Goddard both struggled for consistent production at the tight end position. position. Dallas Goddard was a little more, bit better about that, but now A.J. Brown's in, a target hog, and now I don't know if Dallas Goddard will get that consistent role because Jalen Hurts just doesn't pass the ball enough, and we could see an uptick in passing for Hurts, but I don't know if it's enough to justify Goddard as an elite tight end. Number nine, Zach Ertz. He's actually interesting here at this spot concerns still but he had a great late season and he's really only competing with hollywood brown for targets at this point with the andre hopkins suspended for the first six games so he's a good early draft pick for early in the season then he can stream tight ends after that for the most part like you look dawson knox at tight end 10 he's consistent and there's a lot of op- competition for the bills tight end or wide receiver too it's hard to take a guy like that and it's hard to take a guy like TJ Hawkinson or Dallas Goddard because they got so much risk. A lot of guys behind them have a lot of risk too, but they also have a lot of upside. So streaming the position, taking a couple of shots is the way to go. Pat Friermuth at tight end 11. They've got Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool over there. And then that Kenny Pickett situation, we don't know how good he's going to be just yet or if it's going to be Mitchell Trubisky starting. Cole Komet, interesting at tight end twelve. He's a guy who's again a little bit later that you could actually take a nice shot on because really only Darnell Mooney's there, so it's going to be on Justin Fields to step up and overcome the lack of weapons around him. But Kolkermet has an opportunity. Mike Gesicki, he's in a crowded room, a ton of running backs now in Miami. Jalen Waddell, Tyree Kill at wide receiver. I don't know if he's going to be too relevant with Tua consistently. Hunter Henry, same thing. Lots of options in New England. Then Noah Fant rounds out that top fifteen. He's got that connection with Drew Locke, but I mean, how much does that mean? And in Seattle, they've already got DK and Tyler Lockett. Feels a bit inconsistent to me. But again, late round targets I like here. Robert Tunyon, Logan Thomas, Albert Aquibanam, later guys who I feel like have opportunity. And then earlier, Zach Ertz, Cole Komet, um, Tyler Higbee's worth a look. Lots of guys like that. And there's opportunity there. Even like a CJ Uzoma who went to the Jets, just in case Zach Wilson starts throwing the tight end. He's way back at tight end 30. And David Njoku just got a big extension. There's a lot of guys to look at later. Austin Hooper at tight end 24. And you see the upside. Hayden Hurst, he's with a good offense. Austin Hooper again in Tennessee. I mean, the Titans just lost AJ Brown. That's obvious. There's a lot of targets available. Lots of late round tight ends you can take a shot on. And a lot of these middle round tight ends, they have a lot of question marks that, Maybe you don't like, but you're fine taking on the risk in, like, the 15th round versus, like, the 6th or 7th, which makes sense. So that's pretty much tight ends. Feel free to send me any questions, of course, on Twitter um, and, or email me, gmail.com. Defenses and kickers. Now, oh, uh, man, defenses and kickers, defenses and kickers. I still think it's fun to have them in your league. For sure, because it adds a new element of unpredictability. Six positions is more fun than four. It's more fun to focus on, like, try to scheme unique stuff up than trying to just do the same old things. But please wait till the second to last or last round of the draft to draft your defenses and kickers. Because, first of all, defenses are so fluky. We see the defenses ranked at the top the Bills, the Bucks, the 49ers, one, two, three, all of those in the top tier. They could rank outside of the top 12 in fantasy points this year because. Here's the thing about fantasy defenses. They are basically solely based on turnovers. It is incredible the variance year to year to where you don't really ever see a defense, even one that's like a superstar defense, repeat in back-to-back years at the top. Let me show you what I mean turnovers are king and if you get the turnover luck it's huge but it depends year to year sometimes defenses just lock teams up and force a lot of punts that's not worth a lot of fantasy points turnovers are the number one defense in 2021 was the Dallas Cowboys and the Dallas Cowboys are the defense nine on fantasy pros next year and that's probably too high because yes they have Trevon Diggs and Micah Parsons who might force some turnovers and I mean maybe that makes it not too high but to the fact that they're just the ranks so low because They really don't have the same talent as the teams at the top that I just listed on the defensive side of the football. It was just a lot of turnover luck, but the Dallas Cowboys, they were far and away. The defense won over a point and a half average more than any other defense. It's crazy. The new England Patriots, the defense number two, you want to know where those top defenses were? The defense won this year. The Buffalo bills was defense four last year. The Bucks were six, the 49ers were 14. Those are your top three defenses this year. Nobody knows what's going to happen. It's all wild guessing and luck. So why not just draft a defense that has the New York Jets in week one, get some points, and then just stream it there on out, and then pick up a defense that's on fire. Very easy. It's similar with kickers. Kickers are more predictable because, I mean, you have, kickers are more predictable because you end up having, like, the guys who are on good offenses generally do decent. But that's also kind of a lie because let's look at kickers in 2021 versus kickers in 2020, because it's just so much different. Like it still is highly variable just because an offense does well doesn't mean they're kicking a lot of field goals year to year. So I want to look at this. Daniel Carlson, the tight end kicker number one in 2021. Where was he in 2020? He was the kicker four. So That's not that much of a difference. Nick Folk, the kicker two in 2021 was the kicker 18 in 2020. Chris Boswell, the kicker number three in 2021. I don't even know where the heck he was. He was the kicker 25 in 2020. Justin Tucker tied for third. We know Justin Tucker's great, but he was seventh in 2020. Even a guy like that who feels so safe may not be. Matt Gay at five. Where was Matt Gay in 2020? I don't even know if he was on a team because he's a kicker 30. He played seven games for the Rams. Greg Joseph, kicker six for Minnesota. Where was Minnesota's kicker? I don't even know if it was Greg Joseph last year. Dan Bailey, the kicker 28, was the kicker for Minnesota. He played all 16 games, was the kicker 28, even behind guys who missed games. That's pretty crazy. Matt Prater for Arizona. Where was he last year? I don't know. I'm scrolling down the list. He was the kicker 22. He was the kicker 7 last year. Evan McPherson, kicker 7, came out of nowhere. The Bengals came out of nowhere. Jake Elliott, the kicker 9. Where the heck was he? I mean, I know he was on the Eagles. He was the kicker 29. He averaged 4.7 fantasy points per game and played all 16 games and still was the kicker 29. And look at this difference. And you look at the rankings now. Where is Daniel Carlson ranked? Number four, despite a number one finish. Justin Tucker, despite a tied for third finish, he's number one. So like Tyler Bass is the kicker too. Where did Tyler Bass even finish last year? Who was the kicker eleven? We're trying to bet on good offenses because those are the best bets generally, but it's so wildly variable that you should never be taking a defense and kicker before the second to last or last round of your draft. There is no need to spend draft capital on it. Take a shot on a running back or wide receiver. They may be very low probability, and you may want that false sense of security instead. Oh, look at this. I'm never going to have to worry about the defense and kicker position in season ever. You will, or you might not. But that's not just going to be because you took a guy early. You can take a guy late who's going to end up being the kicker one. Go grab the next Daniel Carlson, the next Nick Folk, the next Chris Boswell. The top three kickers last year were free in the last round of drafts are not being drafted at all. That's the point. You draft a guy you think is going to be decent in the last round and then pick up a guy midseason if he doesn't work out. It's that simple. That simple. Even a Justin Tucker, like I showed you, didn't wasn't that – he's like the surest thing in fantasy probably one of the first kickers, probably the first kicker that should go off the board because he's such a sure thing. But even sure thing, Justin Tucker couldn't manage a top six finish in 2020 in twenty twenty, and could only tie for third in 2021. Like he wasn't even that elite. He was pretty good. That's it. And that's the surest thing we've got easily because we just know how good Justin Tucker is and how much better he is talent-wise than any other kicker. So wait till the last two rounds to draft a defensive kicker is the lesson. Now, and, and again, like defense, you want to look at their week one matchup, get a guy, t- team like that, and kicker, maybe a guy who get off to a fast start too. whatever you think, but wait on them. That. that wraps it up. Those are all your positional previews over the last few episodes. Go check them out. Now we're going to do a mock draft. We did a few mock drafts in past episodes. Go check those out as well. This is going to be the salary cap mock that we're going to try out here going to be a lot of fun but lots so far on this episode and we're only getting into more here in just a moment so i've never even done this on sleeper i randomized it already i managed to do that instead of forgetting to select my pick slot but i'm just going to go for a little bit and see how it goes and once i feel like we've gone long enough and my team is satisfactory and we've learned some stuff and this is going to be a bit of a learning experience for me too because i've only done this a limited amount then we'll wrap it up so let's start the draft yes i would love to start the draft here we go. Team number 1. What's happening? Okay, Jonathan Taylor we're making offers. Um Okay, he's flying up there 15 bucks. Like I kind of have to wait on this. Jonathan Taylor was the first player put up for bidding and I'm realizing this might actually end up taking a little while because I mean teams are in a bidding war and it's going a little slow. But we can do like a um We don't have to go for too far if it's just going to take too long like this, but let's see draft settings. Okay. No, Um, I'm just going to wait on it. So Taylor is up to $74 in a bid. You have 200 bucks. That's a lot of money. I I think I'm going to wait on Jonathan Taylor. I want some value instead at RB and let's see. Oh, wait, is this 10 minute timers? Oh gosh. That should not be the timer um and i again i don't need to like pick a guy like okay offering phase duration we're going to change that to 60 seconds how about that and nomination phase duration also 60 seconds so now what i think that jonathan taylor should get gotten in a second if i can figure out how this works please sleeper here i'll click end phase to end this because no one else is nominating there okay so jonathan taylor's gone derrick henry's nominated yes now it's fixed the timer's fixed. So 60 seconds of nominating phase, Derrick Henry flying up there. So someone got Jonathan Taylor for 77 bucks. Now they've got $123 left. Derrick Henry is being bid on. And the thing is like, I kind of want an elite RB, but at the same time, I think there's going to be a little bit of value later on as well that I can capitalize on to where I can grab guys. I'm still comfortable with at that position. So Derek Henry is up to $40. He's projected to go for 64 bucks. Maybe I will bid on an elite RB and see what happens. Cause I think you can like later on in the draft, you can end up getting some guys for just a few bucks that actually could be productive for fantasy football. And so, okay, $65. I'll offer 66. Just to see what happens. Okay. I have the highest offer. I think I actually two up to the person I could have offered 65. Here it goes. Did I get him? Yeah. Yes, I got Derrick Henry for 66 bucks. Hey, Christian McCaffrey, I don't need this now. I, I'm going to um, click pass and see what happens. Um, okay, this is going forever. Let's see. I wonder if I can, like, sim it a little faster. I think I probably can't. So I'll just do a couple rounds of this draft before wrapping it up. Um, I told you I was new to this. But, yeah, on sleeper, it just ends up. Doing that, but it kind of shows you how an an auction draft works. $51 so far being bid on Christian McCaffrey. And let's see, I could click end phase, but then it kind of breaks it because the team with the highest offer just gets it no matter what. And there won't have been a lot of offers yet. So I click pass. Uh someone just bid 63 bucks on Christian McCaffrey. There's 10 seconds left. There he goes. CMC's gone. Okay, now Team 4 is nominating. I'm going to get to nominate a player as well. Now, they nominated Austin Eckler. He's at 15 bucks already. Um, I will pass on him as well. I don't have to click pass. I can just sit there. But, yeah, I think that's how it works kind of. But, like, three different teams have gotten the RBs so far, but we might see a team just go crazy. And, like, Team 6 just bid $51 on Austin Eckler. They have Jonathan Taylor already. so. They could end up getting two elite RBs, but like when you think about it, their budget then will be down a lot. It's going to be down to seventy-two dollars for the rest of the draft, and so that's not necessarily meaning you're going to get trash-tier players. Like I'm scrolling down the list, a guy like De- like Terry McLaurin, he's projected at like twenty bucks. You look even further down, Adam Thielen's at like six dollars. So you can get players like that, but then you've got to remember how you fill out your bench. And your maximum spending like it's different because you have to get like in this draft there's 16 rounds so you have to buy six like get 16 players using your salary cap so you can't just spend all the money you have left because you have to have money to be able to at least do some one dollar bids and um like you can't just i mean in some leagues you can bid zero dollars on a player but like you still have to have that money available because you can't just end up not having players so Austin Eckler went to team one for 56 bucks. Now we've got Dalvin cook. I wonder if Dalvin cook, he's only, okay. He's projected for $57. So let me try getting him. I actually kind of want to, um, I'm offering 52 bucks. Let's see if someone takes him from me. Yeah, they did. Okay. 56 to $55. Relax. Okay. I already offered 56. No, someone offered 57. See like I'll offer 58 here, but let's see if the CPU takes me any higher. I don't know if they will. Um, if they do, I won't go for it. Like sometimes you have to pay up. Sometimes you get guys for under their predicted value too. It depends. If everyone just hates Dalvin Cook, could have gotten him for cheaper. Yeah, I'll take it. Okay. Derek Henry and Dalvin Cook. But then I'm playing risky because look, I've got $76 left. So. I told you Adam Thielen was six bucks. You think about all the guys I got to fill out, and you get some one dollar bids that you can do later. Like a, like, I'm looking at guys like Marlon Max, a dollar, Tyler Allegier. I actually don't know how to say his name is a dollar, John Dotson's a dollar, like a guy like Kirk Cousins, like three dollars. Jameson Williams is only a dollar, like Ronald Jones is only a dollar. There's some values, like now it's hard to get a lot of starting caliber players. I'm probably gonna have a little bit of weakness. So I think oftentimes if you believe like in value-based drafting a lot of times i think it's tempting with the slowness slow nature of the auctions to try to snatch up guys early as justin jefferson's currently got a 52 dollar bid on him but then you run out of money late it's like kind of tempting to get draft fever early but Sometimes you just want to wait on value. But then again, you don't want to wait too long because the worst, one of the worst things that can happen is say you ended up with like 30 bucks that you didn't spend. And so you're just overpaying for players to get rid of it, which makes sense. But at the same time, it's just so annoying that you like didn't utilize your full potential. So it's a balance. It's very difficult, but a lot of fun. Um, So Justin Jefferson just went for uh, $52. Other than me, nobody else has two players yet. Najee Harris is going. And again, I don't think I would go with the Derek Henry Dalvin Cook strategy. Probably, I mean, in a normal draft, I mean, it's possible, but you know, like now I have $76 left for 14 players and I, have, I had a $200 budget. So I just wasted a lot of it or maybe not, maybe not wasted, but I used a lot of it and I'm paying up for those guys no matter what. So I'm kind of paying for them at their ceiling. So a lot of times taking shots later on cheap guys, like with the money system, a lot of guys who are at $1, Like, if you believe they have even a chance, that can be a better value than Derrick Henry at $66 easily. Um, Oh, it looks like the team that picked Jonathan Taylor also got Najee Harris. So, I'll go through the end of this round, I think, and then wrap it up. Because it's actually hard to do an auction draft, I think, on a podcast with, like, going round by round and all the bidding. Cooper Cup's up now. I want to go through my nomination and then through the end of the round, see what happens. But yeah. That team, they have 70 bucks left. That's even less than me because they picked Jonathan Taylor and Najee Harris. So got great RBs, but not much left to spend later. So you kind of get the idea of how it goes, though. I would recommend trying one out on Sleeper if you have time. I think also ESPN, I think Sleeper does great auction drafts if you have people to draft with. But I think ESPN's auction drafts with a live draft lobby it's a lot easier to just like find some people and they may not all play but like they may not like some of them might leave but like it's a lot easier to just go into one and just do it a lot faster than this although it's still a bit of a slower process so my turn to nominate um like some people in auction drafts by the way will just like nominate a kicker really early And then like spend like four dollars on a kicker or like five bucks on a kicker or like try to get Justin Tucker in the first round just to lock him up. And sometimes those bids go up to like six, seven dollars because people really want Justin Tucker, but that's not smart because that's not playing your leverage. Like you have leverage when you nominate him later, and they're like, Oh, I don't know if he wants this guy that bad. But when you you nominate Justin Tucker in the first round, it's very clear that you really want Justin Tucker. And so someone can drive you up. And eventually, you're just stuck paying a ton for Justin Tucker when you can easily, like, later on, every a lot of people can get kickers and they just have a few dollars left. It's very easy to get a one dollar kicker, and I just nominated Jamar Chase to go for. I'll nominate him for a dollar. But like, it's very, very easy to grab those guys later for just a dollar or two. But it's not worth it to spend it early. Like at the end of the draft, you may end up having like three dollars left and three picks to make, and that's perfectly fine. Like that's kind of how it should be too. It's just early in the draft. There's no need to spend the four or five, six dollars on Justin Tucker and overplay your leverage. Like again, I wouldn't support locking up that elite kicker anyway. But like some people will do that. I've seen that before in live drafts, live auction drafts on like ESPN and stuff like that. So don't make that mistake. Uh, so let's see. I nominated Jamar Chase. Um, he's at forty-seven bucks. I think I'm I'm chilling. Um. Yeah, I think I'm good. So I'll wait till this end of the first round draft wraps up. I probably won't end up picking another player. Who has the highest bid right now? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Wow. You won't believe who has the highest bid. Like, I mean, I guess this can happen sometimes, but this is very extreme. This is, roster spots, by the way, are one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, two flex. This team has their three starting receivers. They have $48 left and pick Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, and Jamar Chase. That is looks so good. And I mean, if you get some value later on, that can work, but that's a lot of money to spend early. Like they have 48 bucks left for 13 players. And that's not that much for like later round players, but you still need to get some guys like a guy like Jalen Waddle. That's 22 bucks. Josh Jacobs. That's $21. Suddenly, that looks so difficult to do. And you can really only get one of those guys, maybe one of those like solid guys. Then you're kind of out of luck. If you draft three guys in the first 10 nominations, then you just end up with like one solid guy and then a bunch of real sleepers and you get into the bottom of the barrel. So they've probably overplayed themselves, but man, that's a good receiver core. So it's interesting how it works. And like the evaluation of those top tier guys, team 10 just picked up Devontae Adams, who's their first player, but like team three, team five team seven and team eight and like team 12 11 and 12 they all don't have players yet I have two I think there's another team there's another team that has is two they have Derek not Jonathan Taylor not Harris and that wide receiver team has three so you can wait a little while some people don't get players super early you probably want to get a stud kind of early at least but then again there's something to be said for just value-based drafting and going later so Team 11 right now put up a guy for nomin for bidding. Looks like team eight is going to get Joel Mixon. And that's going to be their first player. 13 seconds left. I'm going to end phase. So this goes a little quicker. They just picked him up. Okay. Last two picks or last pick of this round. They nominated Stefan Diggs. Um, I wonder what the logic is. I wonder if you'll like be more likely to get a player you nominate. But yeah, I mean. Also, what's interesting is that there is something to be said, I guess. Like, I still actually wouldn't recommend this. But, like, when you think about it, I talked about the Justin Tucker thing earlier. You could, if you really know that your league mate, if your league mate has, like, told you, bro, I really want Justin Tucker, go nominate him and, like, drive your league mate up to go get him. But sometimes that's very risky because they could be lying to you. Or you could have just nominated him and then you could try to drive them up. And it's like, boom, one, two, three, four, five dollars. I'm at five dollars. Why isn't he bidding six? And then you're stuck being the stupid guy who paid up for Justin Tucker. Like, that's a risky thing to do to get driven up on the price or try to drive people up on the price. Because then you could get stuck with it. Like, no one has to bid anything ever. So, Stefan Diggs is going to go to team four. (laughs) Okay, stop it, sleeper, stop it, stop it. Team four is the team that has Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, and Jamar Chase. They have $12 left for 12 players. They can literally only bid, their max bid is $1. So they have picked up, that this wouldn't happen in normal, Jeff. They picked up Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, and Stefan Diggs and cannot bid more than $1 on a player anymore. So they're going to have about like a bunch of Ronald Joneses in the rest of their starting line. So interesting strategy but you can see look at that's the flexibility is I'm going to end this draft. Now that's the <clears throat> flexibility that you get in an auction draft. So that wraps up the episode. Thank you guys for listening. That was a lot of fun trying out the auction draft. Obviously I realized we couldn't get through very much of it, but it was still like a lot of fun to do. And I hope you enjoyed listening to, the, to it. Tune in next week, fantasy football draft guide, all this stuff, sleepers, Bust breakouts, boom, 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 Talking about positions, recapping guys, telling you who you should draft and who you shouldn't draft. And You're going to win your fantasy leagues if you keep listening to this podcast. I will make sure of it. Always available for questions. Always available for guest opportunities. If you want to reach out to be a guest, feel free. Let me know who you are. And you have to be super famous with at least 500,000 Twitter followers to make it on the show. No, just kidding. You don't have to be. But um, I'd like to have you if you want to chop it up and you know fantasy football and want to talk. So thank you for listening. See you guys next time.